And welcome to Falcons Audible Podcast. I am Matt Tabeek, joined with Will McFadden, beat writer, AtlantaFalcons.com. Will, uh, it's been a little while since uh, we sat down together. We, last week we had Keanu Neal and uh, Ricardo Allen. How, how you doing, bud? I'm uh, disappointed to miss last week. It was a great podcast, though. Got a chance to listen to it. I'm excited to be back. We got a lot of football to cover here before the last preseason game. Yeah, we sure do. Uh, there's a lot to wrap our head around. Um, you know, I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about that Redskins game, Jacksonville. Um, but first, let's just quick jump on that Redskins game. What was your main takeaway from that game? Um, I think I really liked what I saw from some of the reserve defensive players. Mm. I know you and I talked during the game a lot about guys like Duke Riley, guys like Jermaine Grace, who really have stood out. And it, it shows the team speed that Coach Dan Quinn has, has built on this roster, um, even in the reserve guys. These are very fast linebackers. You, there was a play that Jermaine Grace made, and if I hadn't known just you know by looking at him who that was, I would have thought it was Deion Jones. The way he mm-hmm. covered space as soon as the ball was out of the quarterback's hands to tackle the receiver right where he caught the ball, identical to what number 45 does on Sundays. Yeah, and the play I love uh, by Jermaine Grace was the, the pass breakup at the goal line. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the Redskins ended up um, – kicking a field goal or did they miss on that i forget yeah they kicked a field goal i think but the, you know they they were uh first and goal at one point and first and goal from the one speaking yeah. of duke riley you bring him up he needed to have a big game and he sure did it was probably well it was it was the best game he's had this preseason led and, the team uh, in tackles with uh with six six yeah and uh the one that sticks out obviously is when he took on the the lead blocker in the hole shed him and stuffed Darius Geis on that run. Right at the goal line. Yeah, mm-hmm. right at the goal line. Great play by Duke Riley. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, for, for for whatever reasons, has not, you know, clicked on all cylinders yet since he's been here. He's had his moments. And, uh, you know, a year ago this time, you and I were talking about how, hey, he's probably going to be the regular starter uh, heading into that season opener with Philly. And things just unfolded the way they did. But he needed to have a big game, and he mm-hmm. did. So, yeah, um, I, I mean, having him having him step up is only benefits this team. We know, of course, what they've got yep. with Dion, with Devontae, with Foye last season. But guys like Jermaine Grace and and Duke Riley really pushing Bruce Carter, kind of in that reserve role, mm-hmm. that only makes this defense better. We learned last season how important depth can be. So those those were your big takeaways. My big takeaway, Will, would have to be the fact that number two was upright the entire game when he was in there behind center. Uh, the offensive line played much better. Much better than it did against the Jets. I wouldn't say it was a perfect night by any means, but it was a, a very good night because Matt Ryan, he was hit once. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I think it was Montez Sweat got a jump on Matt Gano. Um, as Matt was throwing the ball and it took a, took a little bit of a shot, but um, he got the ball out. Yeah, it was got the ball out. But I just liked what I saw from the line because of all the chatter about the O line after that Jets game. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, a- absolutely. We'll talk. I'll I'll talk a little bit more about Matt For Gono sure. later on in the in the podcast. But he was, I mean, really really good. I went back and rewatched that game, and he stood out to me even more than he had on that first night and. I think I think he's a really good player who has a lot more upside that Boy, he can tap into. If our producer here, Casey Richardson, could go back and play an excerpt from the very first podcast you and I did together on how I just gushed over Matt Gono 
uh, heading into camp. I would love that because he is a guy that you and I uh, have have talked about not just you know recently. Will he's he's a guy that we know the Falcons like a whole lot, and he checks all the physical. You know, he's all the boxes. He's got all the physical tools. Um, he's just got to learn the game, but we'll get into that later. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the uh, the final. Thank goodness, the final. <laughs> yes, the final preseason game is yes, here. Thank goodness. Oh, um, Jacksonville Thursday night. Um, you know, there's a a number of battles that are still going on. Although you can pretty much say that you know th- the coaches probably know what they have right now. Uh, but they're, you know, as far as their 53 man, I think right now it's depth. Yep. But obviously the big, big one besides right tackle is place kicker. For that sure. Is, that has been a big headline of, you know, and it's not a headline that anybody anticipated back in July. Yeah, and, that, and that's something that deserves mention, you know, when we talk about the takeaways from that Washington game. It it was Giorgio missing that 39-yarder, and yeah. that has resulted in the team bringing in Blair Walsh for – kind of an ongoing competition this week open competition we will i presume see both players on thursday night against the jaguars and yeah those guys got to step up they got to do it in a game i rarely get excited for that fourth preseason game i hope (laughs) i i this this game would be so exciting to me if the falcons have six field goal attempts and they each get three apiece you and I differ on what makes an exciting football game, no, but not an I hope I hope that game. happens for you, Matt. It's no. Let's let's clarify this. Not an exciting football game. I think game. the sport you're looking for is soccer. <laughs> I I hope that we see these guys have a kickoff, and what I mean by that is a one-on-one, and I hope they each get like two or three attempts each, and I personally think, Will, I'm being serious here. I think Giorgio Tavecchio is going to kick his way out of this. I think. Interesting. I think that, you know, I was the one who was, you know, standing out on my front yard saying, calm down, everybody. It was a 54 yarder, a 52 yarder that was tipped, and another 52 yarder. But then when he missed the 39 yarder wide left, it was harder to defend. And then what really kind of you know, did it for me, Will, in in jumping to the other side, like saying, hey, maybe there's a problem here, is what he said after the game, mm-hmm. which was the Falcons deserve better. I mean, I I don't – that to me says there's – his confidence is a little shaken. Yeah, I, I'm going to take the other side of this uh, than you. I I think that it's a good thing that Blair Walsh is in here. I, I think argue you could argue that they maybe should have had two kickers in here from the whole get-go, but – you know, Giorgio Tavecchio going five for five in his relief time last season, I think does mean something. I know right now his confidence is probably a little shaken. It's probably going to be tough for him to get out there on, on Thursday and for his heart not to be pounding a little bit when he, when he lines up to make that first kick. But you don't do that at the highest level on Monday Night Football and go three for three if there's not something inside of you that can come through in this moment. So I'm, I'm going to Go on the other side of that, and I'm going to say I think Giorgio wins this job on Thursday. Oh, you, you don't uh, – well, that's what I'm saying, too. I'm saying he kicks his way out of it. Oh, out. I thought you meant out of the competition. You oh, mean no, no, out no. of out of trouble? Yeah. Okay. Like works his way through it. Yeah. So you, you think he wins this job? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. I think he kicks his way out of it. I think he kicks his way out of this funk. 
I should have clarified that a little bit better. But no, I think he I think he's he comes out of this. Shoot or shoot. Fingers yeah. kick. But no, I do like the fact I think you have to bring in the competition at this point. Mm-hmm. For a coach who like Dan Quinn who preaches competition at every single spot, it, it, this is probably good for well, him. Well, you just have to know if you're you have to forget just the kicker. Every guy you try out onto the field in Minneapolis in week one, you've got to have supreme confidence that they're going to do their job. And if the, if they're not on this team, you go find them. Right. So, I credit Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn for going out and that you know they. They worked out three different kickers. They even talked about Matt Bryant. And they brought in Blair Walsh. And it's open competition because you need to find out if, you know, Giorgio is going to kick his way through this. He is who they thought he was. And that's what I think is going to happen. But what do I know? If we all could get into the heads of kickers, we'd we'd all not be working here. Um, (laughs) All right. So let's talk about a little bit more about this – this final preseason game, Will, um, there's a number of positions that are definitely besides kicker uh, that we need to be watching. What's the number one position for you? Uh, it's been this way throughout the entire preseason. It's it's still the running backs for me. Um, Quadri Allison really looked good last week. Uh, Coach Quinn said he was running behind his pads more. And, and what he means by that is – Instead of when you lower your shoulders, there's a difference between lowering your shoulder and really running behind your shoulder pads. When you're able to put all of your force, kind of similar to when you're squatting or something like that, and you're pushing directly through your pads, that is how you gain short yardage. And he did that really, really well. He had one run that was, I think, like 13 yards that ended up getting called back. His night should have been statistically better than it was, but he looked really good. And we know how Brian Hill has looked all preseason. We know how Ido Smith has looked. So th- this has just been really the most fun camp battle I think I've seen since I've been here. I'll agree with you. I thought, you know, I've always been kind of on the Brian Hill train, and uh, I thought it was the best story of training camp. And I was excited when they drafted Allison because I think that they needed, you know, a couple big backs. And after that first game with Allison, he looked hesitant. He was dancing in the backfield and stuff like that. Since then, you know, he had the 15-yard touchdown run against Miami. And then against the Jets, he had 42. Two yards, no, 44 yards. And then mm-hmm. against the Redskins, he had 42 tough yards. And about the same carries, 10 and 12. The biggest or difference. 9 and 12, but he, he, he gets those tough yards. Yeah, the biggest difference to me in, in those Jets and Redskins game was the Jets yardage kind of came as the fourth quarter went along. It was kind of one of those where you – which work, I love. You work running back up into a lather a little bit, and yeah. then the the two yard, three yard gains start becoming five, seven yard gains. Mm-hmm. Against the Redskins, kind of right from the jump, he was getting yardage, which yeah. which is awesome. That's what you want to see from a young guy. As he develops throughout the preseason, it becomes a little slower for him. It becomes a little simpler. He's understanding what he's doing, and then you go out and play. And Allison looked like he was just playing last week. Yeah. Uh, so you know, we 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 said we're gonna. I'm going to tee you up here on the right tackle position, so we need to talk about the line too. But, you know, obviously the big story all offseason is the offensive line. Left guard, I still think left guard between James Carpenter and uh, Jamon Brown is is a tight one. I think they're probably going to go with Carpenter, but, I, you know, I think it, it, I wouldn't be surprised if, if it's either or at this point. I mean, um, 
and then right tackle I, that is another one that needs to sort itself out with um, Caleb McGarry is likely back and Matt Gono who we talked about a minute ago played solid against the Redskins and then Tyson Brelo mm-hmm. um, you know he has the shoulder but he's the most experienced of those three and you know he's you know he's got a body of work he's been there when the lights are on and that certainly counts for something I think yeah let me let me jump in right there because those five guys are I wrote a story that went up on the site on Monday and it was essentially about the lessons the Falcons have learned over the past two years I spoke with Thomas Dimitrov spoke with Chris Morgan the Falcons offensive line coach Dan Quinn Alex Mack all these guys and the lesson they learned was the value of having starting caliber depth. And what they meant by that was when a guy goes down, that the player who is stepping up is capable of playing to the level that you need for your offense to execute at the level you expect. Quarterback, everybody knows if that guy goes down, it's going to affect the whole offense. But the Falcons had enough offensive line injuries last season that it started to affect the group as a whole. I think it's notable that we're sitting here going into the last preseason game with legitimately five guys who are still in flux. We don't know if it, who is going to be at the left guard spot, but either one of those guys, one's going to be the backup there. And both have proven capable of playing well in the preseason. So it's a good thing that one's going to start, whoever it is. One's your backup. If that guy goes down, he's good to go. One thing about your story that stood out to me was this. Uh, the fact that Thomas said that, and it's also an admission of sorts that they didn't have that last year, right? Mm-hmm. So that's pretty, That's to me, that is significant that, hey, you know what? We didn't have that. We had to go out and fix that. Um, not a lot of gms would come out and just say that um so that to me you know really stood out but i agree i i there's there's a lot to be said for chemistry um but i also remember what mike malarkey and dirk specifically what dirk cutter said in the offseason too before camp started which was he pointed out the fact that when they made that super bowl run will in 16 mm-hmm. all five starters we're, we're healthy. We're healthy. But, but that, the that, is, that is the exception. That is not the It rule. doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. They're, from time to time, you see, you hear, you know, midway through the season or three quarters through the season, you'll hear, you'll be watching a game and, you know, the analysts will say, yeah, all five guys have started every game this season. Mm-hmm. It's it's not common. That's why people note it. Right. Um, that said, Dirk Cutter said, chances are there's a really good chance that who we tried out in week one won't be the same five. Mm-hmm. Three, four, five, six. And that, weeks that's why later. it's not your top five that matter. It's your top ten. Yeah. It's your top eight. Mm-hmm. And it's also something this this off season that I've noticed more is they've got more linemen playing more spots than I think I've noticed before. They've got guys like you know Matt Gono, who we talked about. He's played both tackle spots and he's played some left guard. Sambrello can. Sambrello has yeah. been the has been the swing tackle. He can, Wes Schweitzer has moved from guard to center. They've got more guys, so it's no longer. Our left guard went down. Who's our backup left guard? It's our left guard went down. Okay, we've got these three guys who can play that spot. Which right. of them do we like best in this situation? So, yeah, um, that obviously is going to be a big focal point in this game. You hope that they come out of this game, and if McGarry plays well, that's good. I'll be shocked if he starts in week one, but you would like to feel like that they feel good um, about – who those starting, who those five guys are going to be mm-hmm. after this Jacksonville game? 
We talked about the kicker. We talked about the line. Well, I mean, so we know we know how important that offensive line can be. Mm. We we just saw this week with the news that that Andrew Luck has gone down. That, oh, you, want, you want to get into that? Yeah, let's let's just do it right here. We'll just make just, this the offensive line group. How about that? Well, to me, Luck is that. So okay, if if you were under a rock somewhere Saturday night, uh, while some preseason games were being played and while college football season kicked off, news broke that a 29-year-old quarterback for a Super Bowl, arguably a Super Bowl contender, the comeback player of the year in the NFL, announced that he is going to step down. On, on a team that, really, when you look at it, they've gotten... I, I had them as a sleeper Super Bowl pick. A lot yeah. better. And they, <laughs> the guy that I just absolutely loved last year coming out of the draft, Quentin Nelson... You know, is is a rock on that offensive they, line. Two rookie all pros, Darius Leonard and, and Quentin Nelson. That's yeah. And and so it was shocking because he's he's going to be thirty, will in September. But a lot of people immediately looked at, hey, that's the same age that Barry Sanders announced his retirement. And then so also people started talking talking about other guys who have announced their retirement, stars, right, who seemingly have right five, six, seven years ahead of them. He could not. He was. He's been in constant pain. He said for four years. Yeah. And, and you look at the list of injuries. It's it's ridiculous. It's it's notable that you. It's, yeah. Just compared, you know, Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders is a running back. Running backs are supposed to take that type of punishment. Your quarterback isn't. The Colts, in neglecting their offensive line or, or their inability to put a good offensive line in front of Andrew Luck for most of the first part of his career, you just referenced. Quentin Nelson, there's a reason Quentin Nelson's such a revelation. It's because the, he's the first offensive line the Colts have really gotten there who's been a hit. And that that really, when I heard that, it made sense to me why the Falcons are so heavily investing in this offensive line. They understand that Matt Ryan's missed two games his entire career. He's been hit a lot. You don't find a guy with that type of durability and and that sure as heck doesn't necessarily sustain. Just because he's been healthy throughout his past doesn't mean the next hit isn't going to be the one that, that causes him to leave the game. And so you have to do everything possible to protect your franchise quarterback because you don't need him walking away from the game at 29. Over the past three seasons, the Falcons have allowed, have allowed the ninth most quarterback hits. Only three teams ahead of them on that list, two teams ahead of them on that list, the Seahawks and the Eagles, have made the playoffs mm. over that run. Mm -hmm. The rest are teams like the Cardinals, the Browns, the Texans, the 49ers. The Colts are on that list. They made they made the playoffs last year. But the teams on this list that are mm -hmm. getting their quarterback hit over and over and over again, they're not the ones that are able to really find success. And so, to me, the biggest revelation, bar none, this preseason, was the performance that Matt Gono had last night. Because a player last like night. that, or last, last week, week. Okay. Uh, sorry, last week, not last night, um, that type of player who can really come out of nowhere that yeah. you don't have to spend valuable resources acquiring, who you can develop, who is that type of diamond in the rough. And Dan Quinn today said he has rare speed and he has rare strength. That those are two great qualities to have in a left or in a right tackle or a left tackle who is going to defend your franchise quarterback. And so, uh, you know, as we go into this last preseason game, that's what I'm going to take away from this whole preseason is, is Matt Gono, his development, but also what he means to a whole revamped offensive line that hopefully will keep Matt Ryan upright 
more than anybody else in the league this season. Matt Ryan was sacked 42 times last year. Um, and the owner came out and said, I know, I know one thing that he's a lot, he plays a lot better when he's standing up versus laying down. Um, and when you think about the money that they've invested on that side of the ball with Jake Matthews, with Alex Mack, with Devonte Freeman, um, and now, you know, what we potentially think here shortly is going to be Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of skill position players on that side of the ball, not to mention that Matt got his five-year extension, you know, a year ago. Um, you've got to protect him. And how many times – it's cliche, but how many times do you hear coaches say games are won and lost up front? You know, you've got to be strong up the middle. And if you can't, no matter how many fantastic skill position players you have – and you know what, I would throw the Falcons – trio of receivers with just about any group out there um certainly certainly among probably the best three in the league you would you arguably so yes and so but we saw last year in in matt had put up incredible statistics last year um 35 touchdowns nine picks i mean that that's the thing right if he's doing that while he's getting hit he was the sixth most hit quarterback last season imagine what he would do with a clean pocket and but that all said they won seven games and there was, as well as they played in the first half season, there was a period there, remember midway point of the season, they weren't scoring any points either. And you've, you've got to be strong up front. You've got to be able to pass protect. You've got to give him time. You've got to be able to run the football. And so you look at all the moves the Falcons have made in the offseason. From the, f- the first day of free agency, they signed two guards, right? And everybody, and then they, they got bigger collectively between – you know, Carpenter and Brown and Geddes. And, you know, I'm going to throw Wetzel in there, right? McGarry, 6'6", 306. And yeah. then you took look at the draft picks, Lindstrom and McGarry. They've, they've added size, and they've also remained athletic. And then they, you have the rebirth of, uh, maybe that's strong, of Brian Hill, and then you've got Quadri Allison. So, uh, oh, and I might as well throw in Luke Stocker, blocking tight end who can play in the backfield. They these guys are brought in for a reason. They want to be able to run in short yardage. They want to in crunch time move the football. Yeah, there were too many times last season where the the team needed to pick up two yards on a third down late in the game, down seven, and they had to do it and they couldn't do it. And so, like we said, whether it's keeping Matt Ryan upright or being able to consistently establish balance on offense, which is one something we heard. Dan Quinn say constantly late last season was the inability to find balance between the run and the pass. It's clear that that informed a lot of what the Atlanta Falcons did this offseason. And I, I think it's going to pay off this year. I, I've liked what you, I've seen from like the group. Th- you'd like to think so. And th- that's why everyone kind of overreacted. Well, not or reacted the way they did in right. the, with the Jets game. You know, there was one point where Matt had 11 dropbacks and was hit eight times. And so, um, it's just you just don't want to see that, and so especially all the talk and investment and everything. So, again, there was a lot of reasons why that happened. Too, you, you can talk about game planning. You can talk about Greg Williams and the stints, you know, stunts and blitzes. But uh, regardless, it was kind of good that they had that happen and could coach it. And uh, but let's see what happens here against Jacksonville. But um, last two second thought on Andrew Luck. I applaud the guy. Um, 
you know, he had a lot to play for if you look at it in, in one way, but then he's also, you know, he's big enough to kind of say, look at, I just got married. I, I have the rest of my life. I, I want to take care of myself, enjoy myself and be able to have a family one day and, and, and be healthy enough and, and realize that there's more to life than, you know, for than playing for people that I don't know. Um, and look, I, I don't want to get into this, but I, I, I was, I was disgusted by the fact that the Colts fans booed him going off the field too, but you know, whatever, but, uh, I'm done on Andrew Luck. I applaud him. Uh, what a tough situation to find out, you know, weeks before your opener that your starting quarterback is, um, going to retire, but, yeah, uh, that's tough, tough, tough. It must've been just gut wrenching for him and, and his family and in, in the Colts, but, uh, but that's them, not that, us. That's, we got one more game to go. That's in in week three. We'll. Uh, we'll yes, that that is huge. That Falcons is, do play Colts week three. I assume Jacoby Brissett, barring any right now, right? barring any moves. I mean, that's still a really good roster. That's they still got talent on on a lot of at a lot of positions. So I mean, you, the, uh, there's. Do you follow Jacoby Brissett on Twitter? No, I can't say I do. You might want to. He is an interesting cat. He tweets some weird stuff, and I'll just leave it at that. Uh, well, I don't think you should. <laughs> it has me really worried. I don't. You gotta. Should I follow him or not? No. Let's let's talk about Falcons and let's talk about this roster. So um, now that we've we've kind of teed up uh, what to watch, the big the big story obviously is roster cutdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, that happens after the Jacksonville game. That's really what all this is about. Dan Quinn said the fo- early on this week, the focus of this week is really trying to figure out who's on the roster, who's going to be on the yeah. practice squad, and then who is going to be available right. possibly via other teams. Other teams. Because he, said, Dan, he has said that back yeah. since April. There's going to be a 1,000 new players on the, on the streets after yeah. this weekend. That's a lot of, a lot of potential bodies that you could add. I, DQ said – a thousand, eleven 1,100, you said? Okay. So I, I thought you said thousands. I was like, that's, that's thousands. a lot that, of guys. That is a lot of guys. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> don't think it's that many. I don't even know if it's a thousand. But there's going to be a lot of people out there uh, looking for, for jobs. And if, if you can bring in somebody, and we've seen people take some Falcons players in the past. Chris Odom, the Packers signed uh, after the 2017 yeah. preseason. I mean, th- it's not uncommon for a team to be keeping an eye on a player on another roster and – if that guy gets uh, hits the streets, for them to give him a call. So I mean, there could be some movement, uh, but yeah, this this game we're not really expecting too many starters out there, if any, and it's going to be a lot of of competition for some a few roster spots. Dan Quinn didn't say there were that many at this point up for grabs. Yeah, and if you're a fan out there thinking that you're you know you're gonna go, um, the Falcons are gonna somehow end up picking up a, a, a starting defensive and a quality guy. That's probably not going to happen, but there's, you know, hey, I don't rule anything out. Maybe somebody makes a trade. Maybe somebody offers a guy. Uh, I don't know. But Dan, I can't wait for this to end up on a blog site somewhere. No, I'm not saying that's going to happen. Uh, but what I am saying is that Dan Quinn said, as part of the player acquisition process, the, when you get to late August in teams because they have to sign their draft picks, because young guys beat out some other guys because of they are making, you know, decisions on long-term contracts with other guys. It's a business. At the end of the day, there's a salary cap. And good players end up finding 
themselves walking the street and signing with other teams. And some of those guys end up pushing other teams over the top. Yeah, for sure. And one of the things that I asked him about today, because the Falcons more than most teams, I think, really prize their development. It's, it, it is guys like Matt Gono, who was on the active roster last year, but never saw any game time, never was dressed out for a game because a, they thought he was good enough to try to keep him away from other yeah, teams who say, might this... sign him off of the Falcons practice squad. Right, they didn't want to put him on the practice but, squad. But when I asked Coach Quinn, what is are there traits that necessarily st- he looks for in a development player when he's looking at this group of guys who he's going to have to say goodbye to some of them? What stands out about a couple that makes him want to say, "I can, I can invest in you. You're worth developing." And what he said was, "You really look for the guys who look like they do belong in the NFL, who maybe just don't have that refinement yet, but guys who are strong enough and fast enough. If you don't have that baseline, and I mean that seems obvious or to he say." Said to, he said too, if something weird happens to him, like maybe, maybe they had an injury or a setback, or maybe you know they ended yeah, up maybe changing schools or because of a personal thing, whatever it may be, they're set back and. They're, they somehow have slipped off a, a radar and not gotten the coaching they've maybe needed. Yes, and but, but that's the you coach up the, the skill set, but you can't necessarily coach up the natural guys. traits, right? The the speed or the strength, but you can coach up, you know, route running. You can coach up catching. You can coach up hand placement on a block. So those so when you're looking at guys. As fans, when you're watching this last game and you're trying to think, okay, who who could stick around? Th- that's maybe a good place to start. Is who just looks like, from an athletic standpoint, they belong out there on the field because you can coach up a lot of the other stuff. I think that's tough for Joe Fan, but that's what you know these scouts get paid to do. You know, I, I think a lot of people would just look at a guy and say, "Boy, he's big. He must play in the NFL." You know, there's a lot more to it because there's a lot of big guys that can't move. Um, that all said, I'm rolling out Will. My roster predictions by position group this week. You've already got a few out, right? Yeah, I, I rolled out uh, running back and defensive line on Monday. Um, today I'm rolling out three. Cornerback and uh, offensive line are out now on AtlantaFalcons.com. And uh, tight ends will be out later today. And then uh, tomorrow I've got safety, linebacker, and wide receiver. And then I'm ending it with a bang. I've got quarterbacks and then special teams who will i pick as the kicker the anticipation is probably just killing people um anyway let's talk let's go let's go through this really quick running back any you know you know you saw who i i put out there um what's your take on it i like it um i think i'm keeping four guys all four running backs yes plus plus partner i'm counting him as a special right 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 and and the team does as well uh, the team, you know, Dan Quinn has said, if if it, we look at a guy just because he might play running back, we're going to look at him as our returner. So the team does as well. Um, but yes, I think all four guys deserve a spot that nobody has done anything to lose this job. All of them have competed to win it. I'm not saying that they're going to go with four guys, but if they did, it would not shock me because all four belong. If they go with three for some reason, I'm worried about Brian Hill just because he started off strong. And he just hasn't had the numbers since. But the coaches know. The coaches know what he brings. But at the same time, too, it's like you got to go by what they do in the game. Um, moving on to defensive line. I'm gonna These I'm talking about a little differently because they're already out there. Bubble guys with the defensive line, that you know where I kind of parked the car at, Will, was Deidre Sanat, Rashid Hageman, um, 
Justin Zimmer, and then and then there's like three guys that I have on the practice squad that I really two of them I really really like Durant Miles and uh, Larkin. But mm-hmm. I've got a staff for you for Zimmer. You ready for this? Yeah, hit me with it. He's he's such a I, I like that guy. He was the uh, fourth highest graded pass rusher this preseason per PFF. So they are ranking, and I some people you know take or leave PFF, but it's notable because they watch every single player, every single snap. He had an 87.7 pass rush grade. And I think that's notable because we've been talking all season about or all preseason about how well he's played. And it, he's kind of underrated. It goes under the radar a lot of the plays that he makes. But it, it's pretty notable that PFF is seeing the, uh, the same thing. It is. And you know what else? You bring that up. Guess who was the highest rated player this week at defensive tackle? Deidrin Sanat. Oh, there you go. And so he needed to have a big game. And he, he did. He did. I, th- I thought he, play- I thought play he played pretty well. Most of most of the preseason. That sack, force fumble, play the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we talk about the the running back group being really deep. The defense line group is really deep too. I mean, you look down the list. The, this, Boy, I like that Tyler Davis. Yeah, I'm like they they had they didn't bring in the flashy name that I think a lot of people were looking for this offseason when we were, when it was draft time and we were sitting here talking about you know I loved Brian Burns. I know you loved Montez Sweat. Guys like that, and it was which one of these top tier pass rushers are they getting in this draft? They didn't do any of that, but I don't think they've needed to. I think the combination of what Dan Quinn is going to do up front with some of his looks schematically and just the versatility of a guy like Tyler Davison who can play that one technique, play the run really well, but, oh, we also saw him knife into the backfield and make a tackle for a loss. The guys that they can move inside and outside on this defensive line, I really like this group. Yeah. Um, Not a lot of surprises with corner, I don't think, this year. I think they stay with six. Mm -hmm. The one guy... You know, I think they're going to keep their two starters, and I think they're going to keep their two draft picks. I think they're going to keep that guy named Devante Casey around. Um, I think Bleedy Ray Wilson would be your one guy, maybe, but I think they keep him. Yeah, um, he's, he's stuck around the past couple of seasons. He's a good, I think, veteran depth piece who knows the system really well and has the length to play it. Tight ends, they kept, they've kept. they kept traditionally three. You know, I think they keep Graham three. could go on the practice squad. He's practice squad eligible, right? I think it's like six starts. You can't have made more than six starts or something like that. Okay. Well, we'll do that research and have an answer for you next week, fans. Yeah, I I think (laughs) that's what it is, but I think he's – I do know this. Alex Gray is no longer counted as an international player. Oh, he's not? Okay. No, I do know that one. I did ask about that one. Yeah. Um, You know, safety, linebacker, receiver, I think those position groups are pretty set. So I think quarterback's set too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> you sure? Um, but yeah, the big question is going to be, you know, obviously special teams with a kicker. I think Kenyon Barner's wrapped up the return job just because I think he's, yeah, you know what you're getting. Well, again, this was a position where because Kenyon was the established veteran coming in here, somebody was going to have to step up and win the job. I feel very safe in saying that nobody did that. No, they had their opportunities too, mm-hmm. um, and just did not happen. Um, so hey. Jacksonville's here. Then it's roster cut down, and then we finally get me to week one. Yeah, so Let's we're go. Go, so for our listeners out there, we're gonna um, record again on Tuesday mm-hmm. after the after cut downs, um, and then this show. Uh, some big breaking news here. This show um, is going to be moved, so it is going to be a post game show immediately following. The Falcons games on Sundays and when they play on Thursday uh, 
on Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, so we'll be here breaking down everything right after the game for you guys. Yeah, It'll after be... we write our stuff and get it up to uh, AtlantaFalcons.com, and yep. you, you know, I, I write my post game column. Uh, we are going to record this, and we are going to have, you know, th- what's going to make this podcast different from a lot of other podcasts is we know the team better than anybody else, and we are going to react immediately after the game. And we are going to get it up, and uh, you'll have it to listen to so hopefully yeah. Sunday nights, Monday morning. Driving home Sunday night, driving to work Monday morning. If it's uh, an 8.30 p.m. kickoff, we will stay up until 4 a.m. to get you your commentary that you need for your Monday morning drive. We are that dedicated to you, our fans. And uh, also be on the lookout for an announcement next Tuesday on the show's name because it's yet to be It's named. not going to be the TBD pod? No, I think that's taken. Mm. Yeah, someone, someone took that. And if you have any suggestions, send them in to Straight from the Beak. No, yeah, and no cliches, please. No Bird's Nest podcast. You don't nothing. want the Winging It pod? No, I don't. I know. I, you know, I'm. You know what I'm actually kind of cool with? What? The the Falcons post game show with with Beak and McFadden. But if we want to get a cute name, we can. I let's leave it. You because you gave me a list of some really. So there's some clever ones in there. I'm I'm nothing if not clever, Matt. I, Nico Tan, one of our social media guys, came up with a good one too. But he did. I know you're not crazy about it. If you're listening, Nico, Will McFadden's not crazy. But I liked it. Uh, what was it called? The end around. The end around. Yeah. Eh, you know, for a post game show. We'll figure it out, and we will have it for you guys. All right, next guys. Week. Well, thanks so much for listening. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, Casey, our and producer. Let's. Uh, Let's, let's pump up the volume on that uh, that music, Casey. Uh, love this song. Bye, guys.